Hello and welcome to the FCS podcast. And after being taken over by three little kids last time, I'm sure all of you are very relieved to be hearing my voice again. But as usual in the past while, we have a very special guest today. Could you please introduce yourself? Uh, yes, I'm Jennifer Hayrovsky and I teach music and day S and theater. Okay, let's start off with the first question. Why did you become a teacher? Uh, I was asked by a colleague here to jump in. I mean, specifically, why did I become a teacher here at FSIS? A colleague was working on a production about three years ago, and it was a very, very large endeavor. He needed some professional support, and that's where what I do actually professionally is work in theater. So he asked me to come and assist, which I did. And um, afterwards, I was asked if I wanted to continue in that capacity and in other capacities. And I said yes. Why? Hmm. I think that in addition to being a professional opera singer, it's actually, it was something that I discovered to be really um, rewarding and I feel like it's important. Uh, sometimes working in opera you feel like, and it is true, <laughs> that you're cultivating this very elitist art form that doesn't really inter interest many people. And with teaching, even though it's sometimes really uh, challenging, um, I feel like I'm definitely doing something that means something and is important for society and the future of the world and everything else. All right. Uh, what type of student were you back in your school days and what were your favorite and least favorite subjects? <laughs> if you say that your least favorite subject was music, I'm not going to believe you. Um, my, I, I was, um, I was in fact the perfect student. <laughs> no. uh, I was the perfect student as far as grades go. Um, I was class valedictorian from the time I started school until the time I finished, which is, wow. that means the top of your class. And my class and the way our high school worked was 450 students. Um, I also skipped two grades. And uh, so when I graduated, I graduated at the top of two classes. That didn't necessarily mean that I was a teacher's favorite <laughs> because I was very political and I have a very strong sense of what's wrong and what's right. And so I, I sort of had a reputation for getting into big arguments with teachers, standing up, giving a half lecture, and then sending myself to the principal's office to be disciplined. And then I had to write apologies and my parents would get phone calls. <laughs> I mean, as long as the grades were good. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was often like, I, I remember in, um, I was in this advanced biology class and we had an excellent teacher, but he was extremely strict. And uh, we would take tests with maybe like 200 points and I was getting the top marks with maybe 60 points out of 200 and everyone else was like 10. And um, my lab, he would, I remember him making my lab partner cry and uh, that was it. I got up and I screamed at him about the injustice of that and now you can't treat people that way. And yeah, and then I stormed out and went to the principal's office and had to then do detention after school for a week. and. In biology, of course. But if I understand correctly, you went to school in the U.S. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah I just, was born and raised there. That, that seems like something you'd see in a high school movie. Yeah, uh, that that was it. That was that was me. So you definitely were the main character, were you not? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I was the main character. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't. Um, my sister was like homecoming queen and president of the student council. I didn't do those things. I. Yeah, I did things like debate team and competition and theater, of course, all the time from the very beginning to the end. And our theater setup was much bigger than here. So we had like a big musical in the fall and winter one acts and then a big musical in the spring. And, and then, of course, I worked, which German kids don't do. I worked 39 hours a week. Wow, very impressive, but... You didn't answer my question. What were your favorite and least favorite My subjects? favorite subjects. My favorite subjects were, in fact, physics and biology, even though I fought with the teachers. Yeah, I really liked those. And I didn't have music class. I did theater. I took very interesting. Yeah. And any subjects you hated <laughs> um, mm. or just didn't like in general? Mm. No, I mean, I just, you either tolerate, you know, you tolerated and you got through and, or I really loved it. I mean, I, I like learning things. So maybe there were teachers I didn't like very well. I mean, my, my French and Latin teacher, she, I had her for both French and Latin. She was difficult, but yeah, you know, got through it. Uh, yes, nevertheless, if, so you only had theater, you didn't have music, so... How did you end up becoming a music teacher in general? Well, I went off to college for physics. Um, I studied at Stanford University in California. And when I got out there, I always did theater. And in my family, the idea was that with the kinds of grades I had, um, I was supposed to become a brain surgeon or a lawyer, just like in Germany. But I always did music. I, I always did music and I always did theater. I paid for my own lessons. I didn't have any support at home, but if I could work for it and pay for it myself, then they let me do it. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, you know, my relationship with my parents was pretty independent. I mean, I didn't make trouble. I got perfect grades, so what were they supposed to say about it? But I discovered when I was at Stanford, Stanford is a university that is known for very high academics and overachievers. And the difference between Stanford and Harvard, because I had the chance uh, to go to Harvard as well, is that at Stanford, you get there and everybody had perfect grades. And not only that though, they're like Olympic athletes and supermodels and concert pianists and- All in one. All in one. So when I got there, I was like, in comparison to everyone else, I was like, really like three. And it's quite a shock. I mean, suddenly you're super average. And you're like, God, I mean, I'm not a silver medalist and I'm not a supermodel. And, you know, I sing, but I don't know. And when I was there, I was doing theater and I was doing some professional theater in San Francisco just because I, that was always what I did. And my parents had said, it's okay as long as it's a hobby. And I was singing in a rock band. But I started to realize that at the level that I wanted to be doing it, I wouldn't be able to put in that kind of energy. I was going to school with people who loved physics the way I loved theater. And they were 10 times as good as I was. And so I had this organic chemistry class and the, 
the day the decision fell was when I was, I had to make a decision between taking my midterm final or my, my actually my quarterfinal and going to San Francisco to do an audition. And they had just sent me the script and I had to learn it overnight. And if I was going to do that, then I wouldn't be able to take the final exam. And at Stanford, they want to encourage diversity and experimentation in the kinds of student, uh, the kinds of classes that you do. And so you can drop anything at the last minute, and it's just erased from your record. You don't fail anything. Wow. Yeah, which is actually very, very cool. And so I, I sat there and I thought about it, and I thought, ah, you know. <clears throat> organic chemistry, who needs it? And I just dropped the class. And that was a moment where I realized, wow, you know, I am willing to stay up all night long, learning music, all night long, learning new, a new script, but I'm not willing to stay up all night learning organic chemistry. Uh. So maybe that's something to think about. And, and then I switched my major. To? I, to drama and comparative literature. Sounds very fancy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then I switched and then my parents stopped talking to me. And then while I was doing that, I was singing with my rock band and my rock band was doing these crazy gigs at fraternities and sororities. And I was screaming for five hours straight in smoky rooms with lots of people drinking. And I blew my voice out and I lost my voice. And I went to the doctor and they said, okay, you have to rest for three weeks. No talking, which... I would recommend to any of my students here, try to go for three weeks with not saying anything to anybody. You write everything down. The uh, mündlich notes would go down <laughs> severely. <laughs> and the amount of community services is questionable. Um, but I, yeah, I did that. And then I decided I should take some voice lessons so I could learn how to scream my, you know, heavy metal rock music. And I went to this little teeny old teacher. Uh, I think she was like 106 um actually yeah i know i think she was probably like 83 but she was still teaching there in the drama department she was our voice teacher for the drama department and i started taking i went in to take a voice lesson and i sang for her and she's just said oh my god no you're not going to sing any more rock music you have to sing opera and i had never re actually listened to any opera i couldn't read music i had just been you know playing guitar and singing in a band and uh She sent me to the music library and I listened and I thought, that's really cool, I could learn that. And so I started studying and then three months later I decided to go to conservatory, forget medical school. Of course, I went out to New York and auditioned for the top three conservatories in the world and just got in, I have no idea how. I couldn't really read music. I was like, I was teaching myself how to read music on the plane. Wow. And uh, yeah, and then I took the exams and I sang and they let me in. And later on, I found out that they, I, when I did my master's degree, um, there were like 10 faculty members on my jury and they all came in and watched the concert. You have to give a big concert. And uh, the head of the school, she came up to me and she said, you know, when we let you in, I thought to myself, this girl, she will never learn how to sing, but it's an interesting experiment. So let's try it. I mean, God! You know, and I was like, well, thanks, Miss Addison. Thanks for your confidence. Yeah, but I, I did get my master's degree and I did get a good grade and a good scholarship and everything. So 
It was fine. And I just started singing and I sang opera and I was singing opera and that was it. And when you sing, you almost always eventually end up teaching. So, and of course I did learn how to read music and I studied very, very hard and I learned everything I was supposed to learn and I had teachers and I had jobs. I think it was kind of a destiny thing and you just start teaching once you know how to do it. And I came to Germany and I was... Fest engagiert, that means angestellt from, from, by a theater, just like a teacher is angestellt in a school or something, except you're there, so you know, you get up and you go to work at eight o'clock in the morning and you rehearse, rehearse and rehearse, and then there's lunch and you have an afternoon break and then you go back for performances. Yeah, and then I, I, I just came over here from New York right after school and I got really lucky, you have to say that because there are so many really good people out there and really, 80% of it is luck. I mean, you have to be talented and you have to know what you're doing and then you have to have this huge amount of luck. And I got lucky and I got a fest contract and then I moved here and I started singing and then people started asking me how to sing so I started teaching them and then through teaching them I learned more and then I taught more and I also had children and then I became involved in the school system and people started asking me to teach at the schools because at that time, there weren't always in every place we were good music programs. And so then I was doing that and teaching language. And then I started to feel like I needed more input. I wanted to know how to teach better. So then I got a degree in teaching at the same time. I mean, I always worked. I, I think, you know, everybody can get a sense of that. I don't really spend a lot of time laying around doing nothing. So while I was working, while you're on the road, you're performing and then you have time in hotels and that's time to learn something, take a class online, go to a seminar somewhere, learn something new. And I really love to do that. And so I started to do that. And then I founded an English uh, language school for children. At the time in Bavaria, where we were living, there weren't any offers like second language offers for small children and there was a very specific specific method that dealt with all kinds of different learning styles and I thought that was very interesting and because my kids were little too and I wanted them to be learning like that I decided to learn that so I did that then I bought a franchise and then I started my school and then I had other teachers working for me and, and then I could manage it and sometimes teach from the road because you know everything digitally you can manage your business and then I would sing a performance do some advertising for my school write up some curriculum for them do the next performance go back teach a couple classes of course do spend time with my kids do the laundry clean the scrub the floors dishes etc that just took a choice. So you are you were a principal or what? Yeah, or but yes, but it, no. but um, it's not like a school, not a school like a state school. If you imagine like a, one of the independent music schools in Germany, like if you take if you take piano yeah, yeah, at a yeah, music uh, school. Yeah. So this was a about 12 well even now 15 years ago. 15 years ago in Bavaria in kindergarten in primary there wasn't English offered at the school and yet all of these people knew and especially in Bavaria where gymnasium is so difficult they all knew 
when my child gets to fifth grade, they're going to have English as a second language and it's going to suddenly be hard because everybody speaks German and Bavarian and most of those people don't speak English. So they were very interested in, in helping their children by getting them private English lessons. And so that's what it was. It was like a music school, but it was for English, taught in a very fun way, you know, with singing, with drawing, with dancing, with visual, lots of visual aid, with um, cassettes and, you know, in a playful way to prepare them for getting into gymnasium and going on. But, oh, that was 15 years ago. But then, because there was such a strong need for that, the schools, first it was the fourth grade, then it was third and fourth grade, then it was second, then kindergarten started offering programs. So the schools eventually started taking this over. And um, I, I had my business for four years, and then I saw, wow, everything is just, it's going to bottom out because everybody's getting it in school. And it wasn't, it wasn't cheap. I mean, it cost the same as music lessons. So I just sold it and stopped doing it. And I was singing so much anyway that I, I didn't really have the time. I mean, I needed to spend time with my kids and then do my work, so. I have a question that you need to answer truthfully. What was harder to learn? Music, theory, and everything, or German? Music theory. Really? I mean, you know, when I came to Germany, I didn't speak any German at all. And my first Festspiel, I spent, I used to take out like the entire shelf of children's books at the library one at a time. And then I would just read through them and then I would read them aloud and then I would write everything down. And I told all my colleagues that I wasn't going to speak any English until I had learned how to speak German. And I'm very stubborn, so I actually did that. And I was singing Wagner. So I was singing a lot of German, not any kind of German that you can use. But I didn't know that at the time. I thought that I could actually, you know, go out into the world and say like, Oh, lachend freifelnder Leichtsinn. <laughs> you can't. Nobody cares. Maybe in, in Bavaria. May, no, it's, no, it's no. Wagner Deutsch is Wagner Deutsch and you can't use it anywhere. It's a tricky question, actually, because I found music theory in the beginning to be really difficult. Now music theory to me seems to be super easy. Starting German seemed super easy to me. Now I feel like I can speak it really well, but I have a daughter who's in gymnasium and she corrects me all the time about little teeny mistakes. And I think that getting your German to a perfect place is extremely difficult. Uh, music theory is more compact. I mean, there are just certain things. Once you know them, that's that's what they are. They don't they don't change, or there aren't really any gray areas. But a language is very living. Yeah, it, oh, it's tricky. Um, I don't know that any language is really. You know, I mean, you you both speak Russian. Yes. yes. And um, I started learning a little teeny bit. I mean, like I started learning the alphabet. Right? Russian. Yeah, just because I thought it would be fun. <laughs> um, and I thought it would help me understand all the German Schimpfwörter <laughs> that were flying about me in the classroom here. Oh, wow. So I could say, community service, I understand that word. It wasn't flying from the Russians, believe me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and I, I know everybody knows that German, Mandarin, or Russian and Mandarin, that they're very difficult. Um, but not as difficult as Finnish. I mean, it, a language for me is also just a set of rules at a certain point. Like the more you know, 
once you get the rules, then you just have to plug them in. But I still make so many mistakes. I mean, I, I don't know. The purpose is communication. Eh, I talk a lot. The thing with mastering a language, I think, like, the point is music language doesn't really have so much vocabulary, you know? So if German vocabulary could expand forever, then music vocabulary will eventually stop. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's very good. But German has anybody? What is what's the difference between the amount of German vocabulary and Russian vocabulary in English? Has anybody looked at that lately? No, we can look that Whoa, up. We could check that out, maybe. Because I know, like, when I if you take a German translation of something that was written in English, it's always much longer because of the way the sentence wait, wait, structure is. I'm actually you got me very interested, like. What do you even Google for that? Like amounts of um, words? Um, yeah, amount of words in the German language, amount of words in the English language. Uh, German, 5.3 million words. And English? Uh, 171,000. Okay. <laughs> and and Russian? Wow, that's a weirdly small number for a language. Wow. It, it makes you feel totally guilty about your last English test, right? English is very simple. <laughs> Russian, 200,000. So I don't, I have a hard time believing that German has so many more. Yeah. I, that, that, Maybe it's just because you can kind of stick them all together. Yeah. You know? All oh, right. You can combine them endlessly. Right. You know? Right. Like, it's that's like the, there's yeah. house and then there's two and then there's house tour. It's kind of unfair that they get. And then there's glass house tour. Glass house tour. House tour You know, so <laughs> Yeah. Like, like we have to do some maps and, and um, divide it by a certain <laughs> number so that it's fair because actually actually being serious um i struggle to imagine how you could describe some stuff you can say in russian in english because there are just some words that mean certain expressions that for instance when trying to explain somebody something emotional it is quite often very complicated not because of the vocabulary but because like it just doesn't exist in english such some some problems or like you know occurrences of life i would say some colors of life just don't exist in english language that's Wait, what i say to me maybe i'll be able to translate I, 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 it i can't i can't put out one but like gloom not no not quite <laughs> Not I mean, quite. Some... What kind of gloom is it? Does it have a color? Yes. Tuska is like the, sitting... The s- sitting white. Okay, no. <laughs> no Tuska is like sitting in your crappy five-story Soviet building and it's cold outside and the heating went out. No, and... it was never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just looking outside. Yeah, that, that's Tuska, I would say. Yeah, yeah, well, wh- what do you think about this? My impression of Russian culture is, I had this interesting experience. A friend of mine is a ballerina and dances sometimes with a small Russian ballet company. Of course, they are still excellent because who rules the ballet world? Russia. Yes. And Finland. (laughs) So, um, and they always do a nutcracker here, like the last three years, not last year, of course, in the the Russian house Hmm. in Mitte, which I love. I love, it's like so 50s Soviet. God, I just love it. It's like, and I, the first time I went there, I walked in and I thought, boom, 
what is this? And it was the, it was such a strange thing. Now, I, these, I'm not talking about stereotypes. I'm talking about what I experienced. Okay. No so I walk here. in and it's a, it's a mixed audience, but it's primarily a Russian audience. And there are all of these gorgeous tall women with fur coats and high heels and lots of jewelry. And they're all extremely elegant. And standing next to them are like these short, pudgy, bald, kind of ugly guys who are very like manly, manly, but just don't seem to fit with them. But they're all like partners. They're all like, you know, married. And then they have their beautiful children running around them. And the women are bossing everybody all over the place. And the men, they don't really say anything. They seem to be so proud of that. Is this a Russian thing or did I just get the wrong crowd? You you, you, you definitely got a crowd of Russians, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, like, you know, you can't describe one nation but by like one crowd because a crowd, that a crowd of Russian guys in a but you gotta understand, Russian these... house in Berlin. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. These are Russians who are able. Those are uh, Russians who can uh, who can afford Berlin. Not all Russians can afford something like that. Ah. Uh. Far not all, and that's like that's like the high class that you witnessed. And these people are like that to certain reasons. And here, you shouldn't really, you should, it is interesting to look at the men there. Because these men managed to get probably from Soviet Russia as no ones to here. Yeah. 90s, the wild Russian 90s. Exactly. <laughs> so the actually interesting people to look at are those men. And the women yeah. are there because uh, they look the way they look. <laughs> <laughs> and because they boss the way they boss. It's like, that's, that is a Russian thing. Like, and the couples you've seen is a thing. Like these uh, people who are the actual bosses and actually won life in a way, maybe not morally, but money. <laughs> yes. Money-wise. Uh, what is this? This um, is solid. Financially. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, like like they won life in a in a material way, maybe oh. far not in moral. They tend to like marry women that are like that pretend to be like complicated to be together with so they see it as another challenge Where as another achievement go? ah i see yeah, I you see. see because like this is like they achieved this woman as well as, as they achieved everything else in this particular situation this is literally what's going on ah that's and they are so proud because they're bossing around because it's so hard to live with this woman but they managed to do that so you have ah, this see. pretty woman and this pretty children live in this pretty house at this pretty concert at this pretty Russian house in pretty Berlin. Uh-huh. That's the way of the interesting high thing in Russia. The the <laughs> high social thing. Anyways, <laughs> let's get back to something that <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay. Is cool. So yeah, but but it's 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 I mean it's also interesting. I mean, it's part of living in Berlin, all this mixed culture that we have. It's yes. one of the coolest things about the school, I think. Yeah, uh, that's true. We agree with you totally. Do you have any extra responsibilities at school? I know you lead the theater, AG, or Ballpflichtfach. Um, I have, but those are my responsibilities. My responsibilities are the music classes, Ballpflichtfach, Lernjahr, Zehn, and Darstellende Spiel for the Oberstufe. And my, I don't, let me think, do I have any extra, extra responsibilities I would see as being something like Theaterwoche, which we keep hoping could happen this year, but I'm working on a location. 
uh, because last year I did manage to do it in a garden somewhere, but you know, Corona blah. So Theaterwoche is kind of something extra. Um, sub this, sometimes I do kind of extra things. I'm thinking of offering something to my my 10th graders, my 9th graders who may want to either improve their grades <clears throat> or... Um, We may be some of those 10th graders. Yes. <laughs> and and so I, I've come up with this very creative idea, which I think would make me very happy and the school as well. And we have this idea of social points. So I thought I could either offer this as an opportunity to make social points or to improve your grade on the last test that we had by a grade that would be to come in starting Monday at eight o'clock for 45 minutes before school and sing Christmas carols with me for five weeks and then perform them on Happy Monday. If people do that, Brian has said that we can give them five social points four to five depending on how many weeks and of course if you're not interested in social points because you already do something else that totally covers that you could we don't get as many social points for this as you think as you exactly. as you as deserve, deserve. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty sad no matter what teacher you walk up to yeah yeah may, maybe you, you'll get one social point we've been doing this since ninth grade yeah eighth, eighth grade two yeah. years anniversary was this September. well five weeks of singing point. five boom there you go or you know maybe maybe a four becomes a three I, i'm just thinking on that test i'm thinking about this but i i have the go from frau herzig and from mr swartho so okay we'll see <laughs> we'll see but otherwise i don't i don't have you know i i don't people think i'm a janitor but i'm not that's not uh, it, it's also not my responsibility to teach people how to eat with forks and knives but sometimes i do that as well so that could be considered extracurricular <laughs> All right. Uh, now the next question you have covered uh, very much by talking about the other um, questions that did not make sense. Anyways, uh, who are you outside of school? If you'd like to add anything. Um, who am I outside of school? I I actually have this other thing that I do, which is I'm an opera singer. And through Corona, that was very very difficult. I lost all the contracts that I had. However, I do have one coming up now for an Erde and Siegfried, which is a small role, but it's Wagner, so it's a little bit larger than others. And um, I did manage to continue to do concerts throughout Corona. I, I started a Verein to support professional singers, but also sing younger singers. We always try to do something for Nachwuchs because it's really important for the business, as for the art form. Um, and some of my colleagues that were in some of the conservatories here came to a couple concerts that we were doing in our garden and said, yeah, this is wonderful. And if you need somebody, we'd love to also perform because, you know, we're doing our master's degree during this Corona time. And that means that every audition and every performance that we have is going to happen online. And there really is no comparison between performing for people live and performing in front of a camera. It's a completely different thing. The way the adrenaline in your, in your body reacts with the coordination of your breath and the way you end up singing is a, it's a totally different thing. Um, and so we were able to do that. So I'm, I'm really proud of that. And we will be continuing with that. And yeah, so I do that. I get on stage and I sing opera and um, I am a musician. I write music and I have things that are out. And no, I don't use my name, Frau Herovsky. <laughs> Well, you tell us the nope. secret of what no, you're I called. Won't. Can we no, find I you mean, Spotify? for a while I thought, I thought to myself, oh, hey, you know, this would be something I could share. But then I realized that um, 
It only takes like two nasty people and a bunch of wonderful people to make a certain kind of stress for me that I don't need in my life. So, but I've you just... do have a Spotify account. <laughs> oh, I do. I have. A, I do. Have, I have several Spotify accounts. I have four YouTube channels, so that oh. when I post things for the school, I can post it under an anonymous YouTube channel. I mean, I'm not stupid. I know how good you guys are at searching for things. Surprise, surprise! Oh, we actually had to do something for geography, and that being like we had to investigate one product, like where it came from, how it was <laughs> managed, and we almost found some corruption system yes, in see, China. See, see, this is what I'm talking about. We just didn't have enough time to do that because at some point we realized that the that the presentation is due the day uh, we realized that it is due, <laughs> so we had no time for corruption, but we could find it. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. So so, and, and the thing is, I don't, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe someday I'll sing something, but I, I, it's okay. I mean, I would love to share some of that maybe, but it's kind of like ballet. It, it is, it is in fact a high art form. And if I can't get people to ap appreciate Vivaldi, which is really the pop music of classical music, opera is a different thing. I, I'm hoping that now the Corona's out, that maybe we can go to an opera. You know, I have colleagues that are singing right now, the Deutsche Oper and the Staatsoper, and those are really wonderful things. It's a different experience to ha to hear the music that way. And But I mean, I think you guys through your families have already done uh, quite a bit of this anyway. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, can't really say that we are the ones with the weird guys and the very no, ladies, but no. nevertheless, like for instance, I come from a very musical family, I write music myself, my mom and dad both finished a music school, so yeah, I am still uh, learning. Still theory. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you will keep on with that, won't you, Alexei? I'm so looking forward to seeing your next exam. <laughs> <laughs> next exam. Well, you know, um, you mean you can't uh, wait to see him singing uh, Christmas carols. I can't wait to see you singing Monday. Christmas carols. That's right. Uh. <laughs> need a bass. We need our basses. <laughs> you describe yourself as a perfect student when you were in school. And as far as grades go. Yes. As far as grades go. But now that you're a teacher yourself, how would you imagine a perfect student to be in our day and age? Because that's changed quite a lot over time. Hmm. I will. I opt to detach myself from a reality. I'm not willing to excuse a lot of things that happen because of internet. And what I will definitely say is I see as internet addiction. Um, I see there being a couple, I see there being two big problems for students these days. One is internet addiction, a digital addiction, I would say, digital addiction. And the other is um, that they're being raised by wolves. They're just being left alone. Too many young people don't have an adult in their life who's willing to get in their face and, and go through confrontation. I think it's a really part, important part of growing up is having somebody who's willing to have the painful conversations when you're like, when I, I mean, I will talk about my personal life when I'm like having a fight with my daughter and she's saying, but your whole life sucks and you're wrong and you don't know how anything works. And I'm saying, okay, well, we're still gonna sit down and talk about this and we're gonna talk about it until the discussion's over. And I let everything go. 
I let work go, at that moment just stops and we will sit there for three and a half hours until we have come to a consensus. Even if that consensus is we agree to disagree and I respect your, ma your opinion and I expect you to respect mine because this is where we're at in our relationship. I think too many people just say, oh yeah, just go, just go play a video game then. I do, as long as you're not causing me trouble, but people sometimes do cause each other trouble. That's what we need to do for each other. We need to mirror each other so we can define our boundaries and what we like and who we are and who we aren't. And I see that too many people are left to do that. A perfect student for me is someone who will engage with me. A perfect student for me is somebody who, who shows interest in learning anything. I mean, if we talk about perfect as opposed to what exists, the perfect student for me is someone who says, wow, we're going to learn that. I've never heard about that. I'll try it. I'll just try it. Why not? I mean, I've got nothing better to do except go home and play 16 hours of Minecraft. So this would be something different. Some kind, as a student who expresses intellectual curiosity and the courage to follow it through, even if it's not convenient for me, I don't, it doesn't have to be convenient for me because I'm the adult. I have the capacity to take on all kinds of different things. At least I do. But what's difficult for me is the, is dealing with apathy and listless, listlessness. People who just are like, oh, I just don't care. Yeah, but whatever, you know, I just, I just want to like live in this little world, which is so small. It's just like so small. You know, imagine you have a vocabulary of 50 words and you, those are the only things you can search. That means your world is like this big. That, and that makes me sad more than anything else. Yeah, so perfect student intellectual curiosity and the courage to try something new. Let's carry on. Did you teach, I mean, you partially answered, uh, but did you teach at any other uh, schools other than the FSIS? And why did you switch to FSIS? No, I didn't. I um, FSIS is the first school in which I've taught music within the German school system. And I wouldn't want to teach anywhere else. So what is it so um, interesting, exciting, good, wonderful about FSIS so you, that you wouldn't even want to try anything else? Well, the faculty here I find to be incredibly inspiring. I learn something new from every single person I run into here every day. Uh, I find them to all be very interesting and socially brilliant people. Um, their flexibility and their engagement is very impressive to me and it is different at different schools, which I've now had the opportunity to experience, to be in some different schools and see how they work. I think also the students here, um, it's hard when you just come into this school and I have a very high standards and I'm a perfectionist and I know that that's not fair. So I always, every day I pull that back. Um, nobody should, we aren't perfect. You can't be perfect. So that's a ridiculous expectation, but I want everybody to be the best they can be. Um, but the students here as a general student body are incredibly empathic, considerate of each other. They really do, I think, work very hard as a community. I think in comparison 
to other places. And it's interesting now to answer this question because I know how often I've stood up in front of a class and I've scolded about somebody doing this or that or talking to each other in a mean way. But those are such refined moments. There are schools where knife fights break out. There are schools where people beat each other up in the halls. I mean, yeah, like, I come from a place where I can uh, fairly easily imagine something like this happening. Yeah. I mean, yeah, actually, it's pretty interesting, and I still up to date, I don't quite understand how that happened. Like, that we are all so empathic to each other. I mean, I don't really know about other classes, because we don't tend to communicate with other classes so much, first of all, because of Corona, second of all, because it never really was a thing, at least for me. So, but still, like, I don't know. For instance, our class, and I believe other classes as well, just seem to be like one large community. There are still like kind of groups existing, like these people go with these people, but like in total, we're all friends, we all talk to each other. We were like, I don't know, there is no trouble between anyone, no big ones. I mean, for a long time, now that we're grown-ups, I mean, there was a bit of like, uh, there was a bit of a controversial like, there were controversial situations here and there. For instance, you know that there was a land partner that was actually quote-unquote bullied out, even though that's, mm, that, that is a debatable topic, I'm not, not taking sides here. But like right now, I can't compare it to anything and I don't understand how that happened. I think, I think that there is a general concept for the school. And I, I really say this with utmost sincerity. I think that the, the Leitung, the, um, the administration of the school sets an incredible example in, in trying to be what they want every teacher to be and every student to be. They are accessible, they are clear in their communication, um, they always try to find solutions to whatever crisis moment, chaotic moment is going on. There are very few absolutes here. At some point, you know, you do have to say, all right, well, you know, now you've just failed. It doesn't, you know, but usually, or, or you know, there we have had a couple fights over the years, a couple times, you know, so mild in comparison to other places. You know, and then you say, I have to say, well, I mean, I think that just isn't gonna, that, that now you have to go away for a few days and you think about it. But in general, they work so hard to find solutions, whether it's with scheduling, with rooms, with a different Lernjahr or a Stufe or a Gruppe, switching classes, switching curriculum, getting a tutor, um, having private discussions, offering special workshops to help people deal with certain kinds of difficulty. There's this constant awareness, um, trying to find the best possible environment for each individual person. And yet we have these sort of global values in the school about inclusion, understanding, empathy, and I think that just carries all the way through Some, somehow. I mean, I think it, it works. It's a small school that helps too. Um, Maybe the thing behind it, why it works so well is that it's like actually the school is directing towards the student, like way more than other schools may, or I mean, a lot of, I mean, I guess all the schools, most of the schools say like, we are trying to educate you and give us uh, our best we can. 
but the reality is slightly different even if people try to achieve uh, something good they may be doing it wrong and here they may be just nailing it like they're doing the right thing by doing what they are and so you know i i, I like actually comparing to belarusian school like um there are actually some organization questions that occur from times to times in terms of clarifying some things but overall i do agree that they're doing a wonderful job in terms of social organization i would say yeah i mean and, and in the end these days one of the thing big things that has changed is a person who knows how to do it can get so much information out of the internet that's one of the best things it's yeah that's totally amazing yeah constant you know world libraries at your fingertips if you know how to use them but what you can't learn on your own is to be a social being you can't learn that alone it's the opposite Mm, yes yes like it's something you can't learn you like you know there is uh, two types of people the people that like theorize stuff and the people that practice what they want to do and this is something you can't theorize like at all you have to do that and only like this you become uh, a social being and it could be also the thing about the school that over years the community was just uh, like uh, continuously we were building up a good community we have like a lot of people, very good people, students in the school and learnbegleiters uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, for instance, like uh, some people here known each other for like over six years. I've known a lot of people here for five years straight and ongoing. So we know, we all know each other. We all know who we are. We even sort of seen some development in each other. So we really, you know, we, and and like. Um, the classes are pretty small, so we actually seen each other change. Yes. We see each other. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can discuss how uh, beautiful and wonderful FSIS is forever and get all philosophical <laughs> about the social points. But let's move on to how amazing Berlin may have been for you. So oh, I would ask, God, I would, I I would gladly ask you, uh, like, what is your experience in like moving to Berlin? How do you like? What do you think about this city? I love Berlin. I love Berlin. I Berlin, the way I explain it is this. Berlin was the first place in my life that I chose to move to because I just loved it. I didn't move because I had a certain job. I didn't move because I was in love with somebody who was living there. I didn't move there because I had to go to school there. I chose this city out of all the cities in Germany this is where I wanted to be. And I love everything about it. I love the graffiti and the dirt and the weirdness in Kreuzberg. <laughs> I love, you know, the villas in Dahlem. I love this incredible contrast that you can go to some kind of techno club and then three, four kilometers later, or maybe depends on where you are, two kilometers, you're at the Staatsoper, one of the most important opera houses in Europe. And you can see the top high culture and the raunchiest low culture, the most experimental artwork. Um, I The architecture. I've heard people say that they think Berlin is ugly. I don't know what they've been looking at. I could spend hours, I do, just walking through Mitte. Sometimes I've gone there in summer, I've biked there just to watch the sunrise on some of these glass facades and take photos. 
I, I love the people. I love the diversity. I love Berliner Schnauze. I, I just can't get enough of this city. I love the fact that it's open 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day, you can order things, you can get food. Oh my God, it's almost like New York. Except for Sunday. No, even Sunday. Actually, no, I mean, everything's closed, but anyways. <laughs> no, it's not. Schwarzes Cafe, 24 hours a day. I think they close for 12 hours from Monday to Tuesday, but I have to check on that. Well, I see you're much more a Berlin person than I am. <laughs> uh, considering the fact that I eat it's only uh, home-cooked food. I mean, not that I can't eat anything else, but I just appear to. Uh, anyways, uh, you said like people, you don't know what they're looking at, but like at the same time, like it's pretty obvious. There's so much of Berlin that maybe you just didn't see the Berlin that would be beautiful for you. Because you can find pretty much anything here except for the Eiffel Turm and the Pyramids, I believe. Everything else exists here, so you just have to find it. Do you know that Berlin has the most green of any European city? Yes, but I think I've heard it so many times that I just started taking Europe as the greenest place in, in oh, well. Europe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, yeah. I, I, but it's truly amazing. Like we look out in the window of the fifth floor and we only see forest, even though it's all Zellendorf. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we have, and these big alleys. I mean, I love right, that. Looking right. down Bismarckstrasse all the way to the Engel. I'm like, bam, look at that. And the lamps. I mean, check out the gas lantern lamps. Oh, I love them. I've got a whole bunch of pictures of them. I just, <laughs> and, and I feel like it's kind of like a past life thing, you know, <laughs> esoteric. And Berlin has been super good to me. If I say like, Berlin, I need new shoes. Usually I walk out of my home the next day and there are like new shoes on the floor, on the, uh, right in front of the building for me. I don't know what, why that is, but Berlin really likes me too. <laughs> shoes appear or do, what? How well, does this kind work? of, kind of, you know, it's, it's things like, gee, you know, I, I could really use another I would really like some of those terracotta boxes from my balcony. I'll have to look for those. Yeah. And then I think about that maybe, you know, and then maybe I say, hey, Berlin, you know, can you get me some terracotta boxes from my balcony? And then I just leave it. And then like, but within two weeks, something happens. Like a neighbor says, hey, you know, I have like two terracotta boxes that I don't need. Would you, do you want them? I saw that, you know, maybe you'd have room. This happens to me all the time since I moved here. I guess the concept that like you send out some like waves, moral waves into outer space and the outer space responses really works for you in Berlin, doesn't yes. it? Yes, it's like the epicenter of my spiritual I don't know spiritual what spiritual <laughs> city like that's your big palace that you exist in I guess it is yeah well yeah, so that's my thoughts on Berlin that's wonderful you don't really meet a, a lot of um how do I say it's people that are not as much factual as they are emotional that huh. does, just doesn't exist that much in today or I mean it does but usually not in the ways you are I'm not trying to compliment you too much, but this is actually pretty rare and pretty interesting to witness in a teacher, even though all the other teachers are also great. Well, um, everybody's different. Everybody is different and beautiful in their own way. Yes. We did mention how FSS is absolutely brilliant, amazing, but what are your opinions on the recent changes in school? For instance, the Umba of the Laz or anything else you see? Um. Yeah, I, I've been, I've been looking at those, and I think to myself, well, I think it's the best solution for now because we have more. I know what the original concept of the school 
was. And we have too many students for the space that we have. And so I do think that it's the best solution for now. I know that they're working really hard to find a different building, like their own building. So that, you know, which if when you move through Berlin, think about that because you'll see there are a lot of old, like in Grunewald, there are some old villas that are just sitting empty because they've the people who own them have decided, I don't know what they've decided. Or there are some old insurance buildings that the, that the German government actually owns, but they're not giving up for any other purpose yet. And when you see some of those and you think to yourself, wow, imagine if Roth could buy this building and make this our school, then you start to have more of a vision of what they're actually trying to do. There are some amazing buildings that I've seen and I think to myself, oh, wouldn't it be awesome? I mean, imagine like the future of SFS in sort, some sort of like Harry Potter-like villa thing with actually some garden around it. It would be amazing. And I think it's hard because right now people who are doing 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, and you think, well, but I'm gonna be here and then it will be, over for me and I won't ever see that happen. But that is actually the long vision of the school. I like the idea of having more classrooms like this. I feel for me, I could never teach music in an input and then send people to an LA and then an input and send people to an LA. That wouldn't work for music at all. So I don't know how that is for other Fecha. I don't know. I, I can't really. I'm happy to have my music room again this year, finally and to be here and to be able to settle in. I'm gonna get an amazing piece of equipment. Yes! Oh, Thank I can you, relate Audrey. so much. I can relate so much about equipment. Yeah, this I know. This box right there. There's a, there's a word for this, it's called gear slot. A gear slot. Yeah, it means... I like, called it a mixer for my whole life. Well, yes, I mean, no, it's a mixer. No, this this thing that, you know, when you get so happy because you get to get a new piece of equipment yeah. that's going to make it even better. Yeah. And then maybe you just need that extra piece of equipment that'll make it even better. That's the extra piece of equipment. Yes, <laughs> right. And this is, that's what I mean. You know, you're like, oh, wow, and that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking about like moving uh, buildings, I would say that like I'm too used to this one. Uh, the thing is like you just come to school and you just come up to I would say a magical place but I don't quite see it this way when I come up to school to be honest. Not, not right because now, school is not a magical place. <laughs> no, I mean just like I mean I don't feel like I'm on an elevator to heaven. And no I don't. And I, I don't think I'm supposed to. So uh but like it's very comfy that you just get upstairs the ground anything is non-existence you're just isolated in supposedly a forest because you don't see, don't see anything else a forest and a street and a bunch of observation thingies right there fire station right there and some tower in the distance that's all you see and you just exist on this level there is nothing else and you're just isolated in this box somewhere upstairs and you just exist in Freya Shuliana Sophie. And then when you come out, you immediately jump into a living world with a bus station right there with Edika. Uh, or maybe you go to Edika when you're not supposed to. I mean, all yeah. those options of like, um, you know, <laughs> victimless crimes to go to Edika or to, I don't know, just do something and just, I don't know, just 
I, I, I think that it may be awesome for the school to get its own building somewhere with a nice garden, just the way you said it, a nice villa, but I am glad that I'm not going to experience it ever. Even Let's though put it this way. Ideal, I think, would be to have all of the third floor. It just would be nice if we didn't have to share any space. Like if we could take the radiology, I would like to have a real auditorium, you know, so that we didn't have to use the Mensa for theater and for assemblies if we ever get to have them again. I would say like, we don't really, like the question is uh, like not to move to a different space, but just to occupy, uh, occupy, uh, occupy more of this building. Yes, let's take it over. Yeah, let's go. We have right. enough Russians. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just occupy it and refuse to put on masks and no yeah. one else will come. Yeah, Miss Harry is going to give us community service quicker than we can blink. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next question. Being a very philosophical one, do you have and what is your role model in life? My role model in life? Oh, yeah. That's a sharp turn, isn't it? I don't know if I have really a specific role model. I have some philosophies, maybe some little, I mean, come, my God, you guys have experienced that often enough. Uh, I believe that there are some people that I highly respect for specific reasons. And one is in fact, my stepfather. What I respect about him is, and what the ways in which he inspires me uh, he is an 80-year-old man who has a second-degree black belt, who trains every day and still teaches karate classes, um, runs and drives, drives over to my sister's house to babysit her four kids, then drives to my brother's house to babysit his three kids, then teaches a karate class, then goes to his church community center to give a lecture or participate in some sort of seminar about something he doesn't know anything about. Then he calls me, then he calls my other sister, then he gives us life advice. The man is unstoppable. unstoppable. And no matter what is going on, he always has thoughtful, kind, positive advice that is in fact also very useful. I hate to admit it, but I learn something from every single conversation I have with the man. And I say to myself, if you can make it to 80 and still be teaching karate every other day, going for runs, having engaging conversations with people and learning something new every day, then you've definitely done something right. And I hope that I can be that. I would like to emulate that, achieve that, because I sort of believe that life is about learning and moving. And when you stop doing those two things, that's for me like the definition of death, so. Well, I would agree partially on the fact that like, for me it is like, you have to be moving because like, I wouldn't say not moving is death, but you have to be moving. Like if, you, if there's only one thing you're supposed to do is moving. Move on, move, so, do move somewhere. I don't know, just go and go on, don't stop. Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. Nothing changes and it's really bad. I don't wanna point something out as death other than actually physically being um, a piece of trash, but I actually have a question. What karate does your dad does? Shotokan, Japanese. Oh, I see. Well, and I do too. He's a real karateka, I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a brown belt, but I haven't trained for the last three years. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, when you were raised by a black belt, you, you it, it starts you when you're can, small, you know, you cannot, hold the pillow, I'm practicing my kips, you, you're like, ah, you cannot, you cannot avoid this, can you? No, you can't. <laughs> oh, that's but, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, well, I would just say addendum. I, I see what you're saying. And of course, the word death is a very scary word. But in fact, this is what people don't understand when I give my you know, lanyard side lecture. While you're alive, there is no still stand. So either you're moving in a direction you choose and want to go, or you're moving in another direction. <laughs> and my dad's, one of my dad's favorite expressions was, if you don't know where you're going, you will end up somewhere else. Just so, and and this is, I, I mean, I just say now, of course, you know, we always, go, I always go back to this phone thing, but when people say to me, I didn't have, I don't have time to study that. And I say, well, some people don't, some people are really doing things. And I see that too, but I know many people, I myself have done this. How many hours of television, how many series binged, how many video games played? If you took all, if I took all the time I spent watching series in the last two years, and I don't watch that much television, but I do watch some, and I had applied that to learning Russian or Polish, I would be able to speak them by now. Yes, you would. And so, and this is then the question, what do you end up with when you're 80 years old? Because when you're 80 years old and you say, well, you know, I watched, yeah, I watched that series. I don't really remember what it was about, but you know, and I watched that other thing and I, and I played that game, you know, and yeah, I mean, I won a lot. Yeah. But if you say, Yes, well, blah, 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 and you speak Russian, and blah, 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 and you speak Polish, and blah, 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 and you speak Italian. I mean, you have something that, that has expanded who you are. It's like you've added, you've made yourself bigger than you started, which is different than just passively absorbing something and not creating anything. You know, I mean, it's so you're either moving forward or you're actually moving some other direction. And the question, there's no such thing as treading water in life, actually. And that's what it would be so useful if young people could realize that sooner than later, putting it off until tomorrow is actually flushing your life down the toilet. Do it now, as if there is no tomorrow. Do it now, do it now. The most important, the scariest thing you have to do, the thing you want most to try, the thing that your big dream, do it now, do it today, take some kind of step towards doing it. So that in 10 years, you don't say, oh, if only I had started that 10 years ago, I would already have it. Yeah, procrastination can cause a lot of uh, problems. I mean, I have, uh, I'd say, actually, I used to have a lot of uh, issues with procrastination. I think I've toned it down a lot. I say uh, my kind of philosophy now is to do it the day uh, that I, so for example in this case uh, some homework that I get is to do it uh, the day I got it and if I can't finish it that day then uh, well still doing it but if I didn't finish everything then I'll finish it the day afterwards when I get back from school that's awesome and I usually follow that sometimes obviously I have uh, for example, last week, Wednesday, I just wanted to take a small break after school. I didn't want to really uh, put myself in the situation of doing a lot of work. Uh, 
so on Wednesday, I kind of took a break, but I, I usually try and follow that philosophy where it's do it now. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I tend to believe that uh, different people exist in order for you to gain different experiences and everybody's wrong and right at the same time. Uh, like, you know, you're right, actually. Like, if you're not doing anything, then you're flashing your time and your life. But maybe for some people, I'm just telling you to, something to think about. Maybe for some people, it's just not something they're supposed to hear uh, at this point of their life. Absolutely, I agree 100%. Because like I experienced personally that like, uh, experienced flushing your uh, life down the toilet and realizing it and by merely being scared of it, not being able to do anything until I realize what I'm doing wrong. And that being like um, dying about it. But everybody who told me you have to do something, you're flushing your life down the toilet, didn't help me because I needed to realize something different. So with everybody, it's it's, it's a very complicated thing. Uh, I also learned to mind my own business because, <laughs> you know, I, like I, like after gaining some like you know life experience, I realized that everybody is so different and if you see somebody experiencing you what you experienced they are not experiencing what you experienced they're like they're living a very different life regardless of how similar it could look or be and maybe something that helps you won't help that person or will and that's such a like it, it has become for me very complicated to um expect something from people so i don't really uh that's a very rare, rare case is because rare 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 cases <laughs> because um, we are just so different and life is just so different for all of us that i think philosophy is pointless <laughs> but at the same time it's not because it's teaching people how to live how to be themselves mistakes and experience so experience only is the only thing that values and moves you forward and you have to gain experience and sometimes you have to waste your whole life to realize that you wasted it and come to a moral point where you're a better you and die which is a worst case scenario maybe but at the end your life has shown you what you've been wrong for i went somewhere very interesting right now i don't know why i ended up here <laughs> well yeah i was gonna say you know that statement has like opened up another two uh, three hours of conversation yeah we could which, go on which forever. would be very interesting but probably um you know it, it's a little bit too much for this podcast that's a little which has already been going for an hour and a half yes um but but it, these are these are the important these are the important uh questions maybe 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 they are um, what is important why are we doing this like what is the point like too many questions to be answered and you don't really answer them well I sometimes know, you better not question something i remember asking a friend of mine her parents were both psychiatrists and i said what what's the meaning of life what do you think and she said whatever you want it to be that is a very interesting thing to think about whatever you, and and uh, it's hard to tell teenagers and this and that is never that is not a criticism and it's definitely not disrespectful but i see it in my daughter there is there are specific things that that teenagers go through and they're normal and it's hard to understand this but you do it's it's hard for adults to understand this most adults don't you do in fact have complete control over your reality. And what I mean in that sense is 
and I apply it to myself every day. If I go to, if I come to school and I say, and I, I come to school, I teach and I have a bad day and I go home and I say, I have a bad day. That is 150% my fault. I have complete control over every single moment and how I react to it and whether or not I let it go. Even if I have a conflict, it doesn't have to ruin my day. I can have a conflict, work to solve it, and feel a sense of accomplishment that the conflict happened and was accomplished and solved. Or I can feel bitter and shamed and horrible and depressed that I didn't do something in a perfect way and I had an outburst. It is 100% in my control how I'm going to form and guide and experience my life. But that is, there are people that devote their entire lives to meditating on mountains, trying to achieve that and understand that. All I can do is ask some questions sometimes and try to follow that advice if I want to, like you said, because I am on a different path. I'm not meditating all the time. I'm eating sugar, I'm having fights with my kids. I'm, you know, doing, stu with my students. doing <laughs> stupid things. You know, I'm not, and, and that's the thing, you know, monks on a hill, they're completely isolated. They don't have these conflicts. They're, they're pursuing something in a different way. So I can take that and use it in my life. You know, I, and as you say, everybody's on a different path. We climb the same mountain, but everybody's mountain is different. We all climb the same mountain, but my experience of it is different. It might be a blue mountain to me and a green mountain to you. Purple mountain to Anthony. Who knows? And a sandcastle to somebody else. You know, I mean, it's actually all this, you know, experience. We're all having these individual experiences, but but sharing them somehow. It's actually kind of a communicative miracle when you think about the fact that we're able to talk about anything at all. And then with different languages. I mean, wow, it's such a wonder. Isn't it exciting? I find it so exciting. It is. And we could go talking around how at the same time it's totally horrible that we can communicate with each other but like yeah we could just talk about so much right now. we could talk about so much so but it's getting late i'm gonna be so much so late for dinner and it's been super fun but let's kind of wrap it up yeah and that's exactly what we're going to do so would you like to give a shout out to anything or a movie a series an action a course anything hmm i would say my shout out is this I challenge anyone to just for them for themselves to spend a month sugar-free. I challenge anyone to spend a month just for themselves, digital free, and see what happens. See how much time they gain, see how they feel inside. The sugar absence of sugar does one thing and absence of media does something else. The challenge is out. <laughs> there will be no, there will, won't be a single person that accepts, but. I yes, there will. <laughs> I might try going sugar free, but media free. I'm I on my third know. day. Oh. It's hard. It's really hard, but I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. I've done it before, so. I had one more challenge to your list in November. Yeah. <laughs> Would there be anything that you would like us to improve? Any comments on how we are doing the interviews? No, I, th I had a great time. I thought it was very well organized. The pre-interview questions were sent to me in a very timely manner. All communication was super clear. It's very professional and well done. Thank you. We appreciate the fact that our work is appreciated. Well, thank you. 
<laughs> for coming to our interview. It was very exciting. This is going to be the longest interview. Oh no! Even, that's a good thing. That's even after that's cutting. That's what we strive for. Uh, we want a, a uh, the thing is, podcast. the thing is, the thing is, like, um, it's definitely not bad. It's actually wonderful that we could do something like this because I'm going to be honest. There was maybe there weren't a lot of other teachers we could pull out pull through the same thing as we pulled out pulled through. There are no not much teachers we could communicate with in such a manner for so long in our podcast, and it's truly great that you are one to be like this. Oh, I passed my English exam. <laughs> Anyways, guys, this has been the FSS podcast, the grand interview with Frau Herovsky, Alexei, Anthony. Alex, who left because we are shooting way over our official work time. It's 16.36. Yeah, that's a lot of time. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks. And you're going to hear our beautiful voices in the next episode with the next teacher next week. See you. Bye! We're done. Okay, uh, one second off topic. We have 15 minutes until it's four.